Happy Wednesday to you folks. Welcome to Got Your Back, NHL edition, LeBron and Rashad. Great podcast in store for you today. Fantastic interview. Uh, Eric Carlson, what a season he is having with the San Jose Sharks this year. Uh, he's going to join us to talk about a myriad of different things, including uh, his sipping from the fountain of youth somewhat this year. 32 years of age, on pace for over 100 points for the first time in his NHL career. What is his secret? It's dietary, sort of. We'll let him tell you about it. Mike Johnson is going to join us on the podcast as well today. Going to break down what was uh, an interesting, contentious night last night in the National Hockey League. Of course, Got Your Back is brought to you by Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. They provide equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. What sets them apart, though? Their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of their company. It's displayed proudly on the walls of their branches. Every one of their staff members lives by that get-or-done formula to ensure they never let their customer down. They'll bend over backwards to get their clientele what they need and when they need it. No excuses. Cross Country Canada takes great pride in this attitude and truly believes their customers' success is their success as well. All right, as we check in with the fellas, Mike Johnson and Pierre Lebrun. Pierre, you're looking well-rested. Uh, MJ, not so much, but you're looking a little peakish, a little little pale. Was it a, a rough night for you, buddy? What happened? Uh, listen, I don't know what happened, Shoggy. That's the whole thing. I, I, go to, I, I get back to Toronto. I, I go to sleep and I am I am not allergic to anything that I know of in my life, but I woke up middle of the night and I had like like an allergic reaction to like like shellfish or something, even though I didn't eat any shellfish. I don't know what it was. So I like I'm like, what is going on? I'm itchy. I got this little, I'm like, what's happening? But That's I took concerning. some medication and I'm like, okay, well, I guess, you know, and of course you go to like the very dangerous game where you start trying to self-diagnose. You're like, okay, let's go to WebMD and see what I have here. Yeah. And, it, and it takes you a million different places. But I took like some Benadryl. Went back to sleep and I woke up this morning totally fine, totally normal. So I don't know what's up, but it was uh, a random one-off or something like I've I've never been allergic to anything before. So I don't know what's going on, Shoggy. But I'm well rested. I'm ready for you. Don't you worry a thing. You know what? Uh, this isn't nearly. This is nothing compared to what you went through. Uh, but I was up all night. I get songs stuck in my head, MJ. Mm. And I can't sleep when I get certain songs stuck in my head. By the way, we lost Pierre for a minute there. I assume he's going to pop back in in a minute. What was the song? Uh, well, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you. I don't <laughs> want to tell you because all it is is ammunition, and you and Drags and company don't need more ammunition from me. That's why I'm asking. The song hmm. Flowers by, by Miley Cyrus. <laughs> it's very catchy. Like it's, it's, very it's been catchy. everywhere. How, it's been how everywhere. About these sp- so the, like, it's all about uh, Liam Hemsworth and their yes. previous relationship. Which yes. ended like how many years ago? Badly, Eight? yeah. Ten, long time ago. Yeah, like she's long been time sitting ago. on this for ten years. Yeah, well, the video at like a house that has some sort of personal tie-in, and the, the lyrics yes. have a personal tie-in. The whole bit. I'm like, that is. Listen, between her and Taylor Swift and the and the breakup songs or whatever about their former yeah. relationships, it's, it's tough sledding. You got to be got to treat them well, or else you're gonna get a song written about them about you. Apparently, so you know what? I don't mind. I'm like a pop guy too. Like, like I, like I listen to Taylor Swift all the time. I like, you know, I was playing flowers yesterday, like a, the single on loop. So I can't even make fun of you. I wish I could. <laughs> okay. I appreciate that. Cause normally I would just get absolutely teed off on. And we have retrieved Pierre Lebrun. Uh, Pierre, <laughs> we really didn't talk about anything important while you were away. I'll just ask you, you ever get songs stuck in your head? And if so, uh, what are they? 
Yeah, I had this really weird thing, and I don't know where it comes from. I probably shouldn't share this, but every time I yes. jump in yes, the shower, you should. yeah, every time I jump in the shower, and I don't know if it's a shock of the, you know, the the water's cold at first, but I always start uh, hearing Brass Bonanza, <laughs> the old Hartford Whalers goal song, in my head. What? <laughs> I don't know. It's just the strange. Just what? we gotta unpack this, Mike. Oh yeah. Hang on. Multiple questions. Johnny, do you want to go first? Johnny, you go first. Johnny, you go first. Why that song on any level? And what is it about the shower that triggers it? I need to understand this more fully. It's like, all right. Yeah, we're getting the day going. Let's go. And then, I don't know. That song just gets going. Here's a recommendation for you, Pierre, because the rest of us do this. Feel free to let the water warm up before you hop on in there, buddy. I know. Sometimes I'm in a hurry, buddy. I know. No, he's oh, one of these Wim Hof guys. He's all about the cold water shower. It's what he does. There the you go. Yeah. Uh, Whatever works. Love it. Brass bonanza every time I get in the yeah. shower. That's... So now the problem is, Pierre, now you completely... so now every time I hear brass bonanza, I'm going to think about you getting in the shower in the cold <laughs> on my eyes. Yeah. Is... We're going to think about Pierre in the shower. There you go. Yeah. Oh my Steve. goodness sakes. Zuby, uh, Zuby working, uh, the controls behind the scenes. You're probably gonna have to grab some brass bonanza and roll it in at some point here in the podcast. So feel free to put it wherever you want in post-production, uh, for Pierre Lebrun. Okay. Lots to discuss last night in the national hockey league. And that is brought to you by, uh, pro hockey life, the breakdown, the drive towards the playoffs is on big time. So there's no better time to outfit yourself with gear from your favorite team and pro hockey life is the place to go for your team's sweater. Pick your favorite player. Wear it proudly. Pro Hockey Life has an awesome selection of team apparel. It doesn't end at jerseys. they got the wide range of shirts and hats, T-shirts, souvenirs, everything you need to show what a massive fan you are. Pro Hockey Life, like you and like us, is obsessed with the game. Okay, gentlemen, we're going to start with the situation that developed last night in Philadelphia and, uh, you know, I think most people have probably heard about what happened by now, but I do think we need to lay it out a little bit. So you have to bear with me. I just want to, I want to set the table a little bit on this. Last night, Ivan Provorov, defenseman for the Philadelphia Flyers, declined to wear the Pride Night jersey that the team was wearing designed to celebrate the LGBTQ plus community. They were also wrapping their sticks in Pride tape. Provorov uh, citing religious beliefs, um, did not want to take part in warm-up uh, as a result of of Pride Night. Um, he ended up playing the rest of the game. He played in the game, played 22 minutes. And uh, after the game, both he and John Tortorella addressed this in talking to the media. Um, the Philadelphia Flyers also, when people sort of were made aware of what was happening, they released a statement where they didn't really mention Provorov at all. They basically reaffirmed their organization's commitment to, you know, inclusivity in the game and and to the Pride Day that they were having. Okay, folks, uh, the time is 11.23 Eastern time, and uh, we just wanted to update things. We're going to continue this conversation that Mike Johnson and Pierre Lebrun and myself uh, taped earlier on this morning, but the National Hockey League has released a statement today, and in the interest of just presenting a full story, wanted to read that statement for you. Quote, hockey is for everyone is the umbrella initiative under which the league encourages clubs to celebrate the diversity that exists in their respective markets and to work to achieve more welcoming, inclusive environments for all fans. Clubs decide whom to celebrate, when and how, with league counsel and support. Players are free to decide which initi initiatives to support, and we continue to encourage their voices 
and perspectives on social and cultural issues. So the National Hockey League releasing that statement in response to this story. Uh, now let's get back to our discussion with Pierre and Mike that I'll remind you was taped uh, a little bit earlier on Wednesday morning. After the game, both Provorov and John Tortorella addressed the media, and uh, here are those comments. Uh, you know, in in most mostly their entirety. Yeah, I uh, I respect everybody. I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm going to say. And Provorov wasn't taking any further questions on that topic afterwards. Here was John Tortorella. I think the organization has sent out a release regarding the organization, the, the beliefs that we have. Uh, and how we feel about it, and really a great night. Um, with Provi, uh, uh, he, he's being true to himself and to his religion. This has to do with his belief in his religion. And it's one thing I respect about Provi. He's always true to himself, uh, and so that's, that's where we're at with that. Was there any consideration on your part when he chose not to wear the jersey to not play him as a result? I'm not going to answer many more questions on it because I, I just think it's unfair. Uh, I know you're going to probably talk to Provi, but um, yeah, that, 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 I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. I, I think it was a great night in celebrating. Uh, organization has put out a, a statement, and I'm not going to get too deep into the conversation. Those are the comments as far as Provi. We, we talked as a team and with Provi. So they talked as a team and with Provi, and that's where they landed. Mike, the league, uh, the league wants to be more inclusive. We're seeing mm -hmm. um, lots of actions towards that end. Something like this happens, and it really dramatically shifts the conversation. What are your thoughts on the way the situation was handled last night? Hmm. I mean, I guess initially you're surprised because, um, you know, and I, I don't know Provorov's religious beliefs. I don't know what you know he is referring to. As, I, I just don't know that kind of stuff. Um, it seems like um, this would be something that would not violate your religious tenets to the point where you can't participate. Um, so I, I guess it's you're surprised that it that it that it went down this road. Um, you know, very clearly, the NHL does need to be more inclusive and does need to be a more welcoming place. Um, to to all to all manners of diversity, um, including the LBGTQ plus community. So um, it it was surprising for me, um, and I guess like I I, I I I people you don't you can't make someone want to believe something in, that you like. You can have a conversation, mm -hmm. and I think this is what this like. You can't force someone to believe in the cause that you believe in. You know that you, you can't do that. But I imagine like through now, like the conversation that would be in the dressing room and in the team and in the organization that, that I'd be curious to see how that goes, because, you know, clearly players, I you know Scott Lawton and James Van Riemsdyk were, have been both very public in their support of these causes. And like, what are those conversations like and how do those go? And, and can it help open maybe pro Ross mind or his eyes to, to, to how his actions are that community? Um, so uh, it, it's a, it's a tricky one, not in the sense, cause it's, it's obviously like, it seems a no brainer support this cause for all the obvious reasons that you would want to support it. And we, and, and, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're, they seem very clear and it seems quite innocuous to put on a Jersey, um, or, you know, whether you tape your stick or not, like it doesn't feel like that would be a violation, um, of anyone's beliefs to the extent where they can't participate in it. 
Um, so it's, it's surprising, but it's, you know, it's, 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 uh, I guess the only, like, would it be fair to scratch Provorov or not play him in this game if he wasn't willing to do that? I don't know if that is like, I know it's a bad look and it's a tough thing mm-hmm. for everyone to have to deal with, but I don't know if they could go down that road, Pierre, of saying, well, if you don't wear the Jersey, you don't get to play. Um, I don't know, which I think a lot of people would have maybe liked mm-hmm. to see. I don't know if they go down that road, Pierre. I think I would have, and I know it's easier for me to say, I guess, from where I sit, I'm not running a franchise. But if, if this night was about your organization stepping up and saying we believe in inclusion mm-hmm. and this is Pride Night and these are our values because we know we have people who come to our games who are part of this community and you're telling us as a player that you're not comfortable with this and you're against this and you don't want to be part of it, then you're not part of it, period. I would have scratched mm-hmm. him. And again, I understand how naive that may sound on some level, but um, it, it's tough on many levels. I, I, as I tweeted last night, he started his comments by saying, I respect everybody. Well, clearly not. Right. Clearly you don't actually respect everybody because if you did, you, you would wear that Jersey and warm up despite your beliefs and say, well, I respect everybody. So I should do this. Um, and just, you know, don't hide behind religion. Okay. Like, come on, honest to goodness. Um, it's just wrong. And it's, it, it, it reinforces for people that are struggling to, (sighs) it's okay, buddy. This is, you know, this affects all of us in different ways, right? This is a cause that's very close to my heart as well. Uh, very much so. And so when I saw that this happened last night, I had a lot of the same feelings. And Mike, I completely understand because really, you know, if if the league wants to be about inclusion, well, is it inclusion only with, you know, people that hold similar values? That would be the counterpoint, right? But to I think what Pierre, the point that Pierre is making, and Pierre, I do agree with you. I, I would have taken it a step further. Um, and I would have had him sit out the entire day. I would have given him a paid day off to just not be at the mm. rink because this day, it wasn't just about warm-up. They had, they had members of that community at Morning Skate. They did a pregame skate with members of that community. They had nine different organizations that were part of it and in the building. They had, you know, we've all been part of these things and watched these things unfold in front of us. They have ads on the big screen during commercial mm-hmm. breaks and intermissions and special guests. It's the league putting this cause forward and saying this matters to us. And they knew ahead of time Provorov felt this way. I think it would have been entirely appropriate to say by having you there, it counters the strong message of inclusion that we're trying to make. And so you're going to just not be part of it and and not not even in an angry way, just in a let's be fair to everybody. If you don't believe in it and you don't want to be part of it, then you can stay home that day. And you're not going to lie to the media, right? They're going to tell everybody why. And he's going to do that same media availability. And then the organization has to decide, you know, how it feels and what it does moving forward. So I'd take it a step forward. I would have had him sit out the whole day because it's a way to not ask him to compromise something that he clearly isn't willing to compromise. But it's a way to also make a statement that this is hugely important. This is bigger than tonight's game. And we want to put that right foot forward. And, you know, I was reading a lot of comments online, Johnny, members of the LGBTQ plus community. The point they made is that they wouldn't want any false allies. Like they don't want somebody skating around in that jersey that doesn't really believe in it, taking part in that night that doesn't really believe in it. That's not what they're looking for. So I think they could have sent a strong message by saying, okay, he's going to sit this one out. 
religious beliefs, we're all going to push forward with this as a group. And maybe like involving members of the LBGTQ plus community is part of that, like would have been part of that discussion. Like what, like how would you, how should we handle it? Like in, incorporating yeah. them. And I, and I guess, you know, part of like, he's probably played with a player who is a member of that community. He may, no maybe unbeknownst to himself, no right? Like, but he probably no has. Question. And let's yeah. say, let's say it's a player who is publicly a member of that community. Can you not, like, you know, you know, can you not play with that? But like, you know, just, you just wonder, like, you know, like those kind of questions are, are triggered. But I, I guess what you don't want it to do and what it maybe it has done, or maybe like, is to take away from the message yes. of inclusivity and acceptance and of welcoming that the Flyers are trying to put forth. And I guess the NHL as a whole, and um, and and maybe on some level because it's been a pretty u- unanimous reaction that like people aren't you know okay like people want him to people want people want this cause to be embraced wholeheartedly, mm-hmm. um, and, and and it almost is. So I I don't know if even him doing this takes away from it. Maybe it draws more more light to it and more, opens up conversations that are tough to have but maybe push it deeper and push it forward with, with a better understanding of, of some of these issues. Um, but I, I guess it's, it's, it's going to be tricky. Like, cause it's clearly for some of his teammates, a, a very important personal subject. Right. And yeah. um, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know how, how they unpack that as well. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I got emotional. It's just, mm-hmm. it's okay, I was buddy. thinking about, if you're a young hockey player who still hasn't come out, you're like, well, here's why, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's the game isn't nutshell. ready. And, and you know, yeah, when I, I wrote about, I wrote about Luke Prokop and Bane Pettinger and their stories. And a lot of the comments I got was, yeah, good for them. But why do we even need to make this a story? Like why are the people who care about this anymore? Hello. Mm-hmm. Clearly not everyone's on the same page here. Mm-hmm. Clearly the sport is behind, I think what most of society is in my mind anyway. And, and uh, wow, that was upsetting. There's lots yeah. of there's lots of really great nights that the National Hockey League does across the league, and it's a cause mm-hmm. that they are trying to put to the forefront. And I don't think that that should be lost on you know those efforts should be lost because something like this happens, and it shouldn't be the overriding narrative. But Pierre, I do agree with you, right? This is this is two stories this year of significant franchises, the Boston Bruins and the Philadelphia Flyers, who organizationally have made decisions, and I'm talking about the decision to, to sign Mitchell Miller mm-hmm. and, and the decision that they made last night to go ahead and allow Provorov to, to take part in the game, uh, that you know are, are made by franchises and, and the powers that be that are you know, potentially behind the times here, I think, right? That aren't in line with where the values of the, the game, where the game is saying, here's where our values are. And, you know, two times this year where decisions have been made that show, well, maybe it's not, not, not there. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I think yesterday, and I'm open to the idea that I'm not right here. I really am. I think that's important in these conversations. You know, maybe hey, I don't know everything right either. To do. I don't know you everything know? either. Let's yeah, clear. we don't have all the answers right. and I don't, you know, we're, we don't know exactly what's right. And I'm, I'm open to the idea that maybe, maybe that would be a bridge too far. Um, you know, but I think it's important to have these discussions and Johnny, I agree with you. Like maybe this happening opens up broader discussions about it. And it's a bit of an eye opening 
um, for people. And mm-hmm. I think it's an opportunity for the hockey world to embrace the LGBTQ plus community by getting behind it after something like this happens. Yeah, you know, lean in, and then, and if you're if you're an individual player, like you know, the strength of your voice to lean in even harder if it's something that you are comfortable with and are passionate about and wanted to take on, uh, because you know, I think the voices of love and acceptance can 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 be louder, can be stronger, and they don't have to be kind of the silent majority. They could be boisterous, like if one of, and even more so, the closer you are to it. Not 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 Pierre, you know, speaking eloquently about it and showing how much it matters. But if you're one of his teammates and it matters to you that way and you're going to get asked about it today. And if you want to, if you want to be able to, to, to take that on, I think, you know, a net positive somehow may be able to come of this because it may amplify the conversation, which clearly still needs to be had. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know, one of the questions I have and, there's time to talk about this down the road, but with, with with Provorov now, I mean, figuring it out the way it works within the context of his teammates, and again, John Tortorella said they discussed it as a group, and, and this is what they came up with. I'm not sure if there's work to be done there between he and his team. Um, but I wonder about the player, and there's been talk about this player potentially moving on from Philadelphia at some point. If you're an organization and you have a staff of many, 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 who mm-hmm. probably all feel, you know, many feel strongly about this cause and people who are very close to them on your staff and players in the room that have family members or players themselves or, you know, can you bring this player into your organization? Can you can you take a player who has these beliefs that he's standing firmly on and can you bring him into your organization and make him part of, uh, you know, your team moving forward? Is this Does this affect their, you know, the ability for him to to be moved, and I don't, I'm not trying to break it down to hockey. It's still the principle of the thing about what this looks like yeah. for this player now. It's a great question. I don't have the answer to that. I mean, it's it's a great question. It wasn't a primary thought for me last night because, of course, the hockey part the hockey part of it was less important to me. But it is it is. I mean, this is a guy that actually. You know, uh, a bunch of us have reported is is a guy that the Flyers are actually listening on that they might move, which mm-hmm. was a decision they made obviously way before all this. But now, if you're an organization looking at this player who's obviously a very good hockey player, how do you feel about this stance? Yeah, I, I, it's it's the whole thing is just muddied, and and I got, again without understanding his his religion and where like I have no idea where he's Russian Orthodox from. Right. is what right. he but uh, I can't, cited his I, religion. I can't is, act yeah. like I know what Russian Orthodox. Of course, what the, of course, I, I don't yeah. know what that Same means here. and what that believes. Same here, by like, the way. Yeah, you know, like what is it? Is this the only thing that like why this? Why this thing? Why like is there nothing else that I don't know? It just seems like to 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 chit. He's cherry picking, but you know. To, to make it about this event and, 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 and the NHL has causes that they support every, a lot of times, different games, different initiatives, and generally are, they're pretty unanimously supported. That's why we don't talk about this stuff as far as players taking right. a stand. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, what, what would, what would the reaction be if, if a player is like, you know, I don't believe in fighting wars. So I don't want to yeah. participate in a military uh, appreciation night. Appreciation night, yeah. Uh, and like, you know, what what would what would an organization's reaction be to that? Would it be different? And, and I think this is all part of this layered conversation, which is so complex and so nuanced, but yet so obvious to so many of us. Like, well, it's not that hard, you know. Like, mm-hmm. you know, treat people well. Like that's that's it. Treat people well. Treat them as equals. 
Yeah. Everyone's yeah. the same. But but and, it, like I, it, these are all the kind of kind of thoughts that are swirling around your head, like as you're trying to unpack this the situation, which should you know you don't it should not be it doesn't feel like it needs to be a situation, but it is. Mm-hmm. And I hope through discussions and calm discussions that people who were hurt by this, members of the LGBTQ plus community, Pierre, you mentioned young ones. Um, for people who were hurt by this, I hope that the conversations that happen today and in the days moving forward, that they'll feel more of an embrace than they do any form of rejection from, from one player. Um, because I think that's what the league is going for. I think that's what is in a lot of our hearts. We want to embrace this community and embrace them and make them feel welcome in our game that, that we all love. Uh, appreciate the conversation guys. It's heavy and it's difficult and you know, it's, it can be tough to get into, but Pierre appreciate your honesty and Johnny, you too. That's, that's tough stuff guys, but, uh, but important conversation. Uh, we're going to get to Eric Carlson in a minute, but, uh, we do need to move on to one other topic. It seems like every week guys, we're talking about the Vancouver Canucks on this podcast. And it's not that we're trying to, we actually have a goal of not talking about Vancouver for a full podcast, but they are not making it possible uh, Jim Rutherford with his media availability, Johnny uh, from minor surgery to major surgery, but it's a retool, not a rebuild. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux still our coach, but yes, we're talking to other people and other coaches. <laughs> the Pearson hand injury, like it just, oh, it felt odd and off and strange to me, Johnny. It was a doozy. I mean, first of all, like I'll give him credit for his candor and his willingness to stand up there for a long time and take a lot of questions. And no so question. maybe he's speaking to his fan base in a way that most GMs won't or choose not to. So I give him credit for that. But you just highlighted a whole bunch of the inconsistencies of that converse, of that wide-ranging conversation, because um, there's so many things crop up. But the first, I guess the first thing that comes to mind to me is that um, the, while he may have been doing the fans a service, he's been doing us a service by giving us content. Like, I don't know if he did his team any help by having that kind of conversation so publicly because it's just, again, we have to talk about it and it's going to get louder and it's always more confusing and more perplexing as to where they're going with this, how you're interviewing coaches for a job that doesn't exist. I'm not sure you should be doing that. That seems unusual to me. Did you just learn that the minor surgeries become major surgery? Why did you add a couple more massive contracts in McKayev and Miller that are short-term contracts when it seems like you need to go to a longer term solution? Did that flip in the last two months or where was that in the summer or even last spring? There's a lot there, Pierre, to unpack uh, from Jim Rutherford. But I guess the bottom line is the Canucks are in for a whole bunch of change coming up um, in, in the short term future because uh, that was one thing he was clear is that they need to they need to change. The joking about tanking, you're not tanking. You're losing. Chicago's yeah. tanking. You're not trying to be terrible. You're trying to be good and are not being good. There's yeah. a really big difference between tanking and, and being unsuccessful. So I don't know, Pierre, where it even, like, it's just so much that it was almost hard to unpack all at once. Yeah. And, and, and again, you're right where he started. First of all, I mean, that's Jim Rutherford for you in terms of his honesty and transparency. He's always been that way. And, and, uh, and I gave him credit cause he, he rolled with the punches there and the questions from a really strong media core there in Vancouver. And, and he was not trying to duck them or, wasn't trying to end the news conference early either. So huge props to that. I mean, you know, he's a president of hockey ops for that organization. He's, he's the next guy down from the owner. So, you know, 
some people might want to hide right now in that job and not do that kind of news conference. So let's let, let's give them props there. But the messaging was difficult to receive for a lot of the Canucks fan base, I think. Um, and in particular, again, doubling down on something that uh, he's told me in a previous interview, he's told other media outlets that it's a retool and not a rebuild. That particular message, I think, is the one that truly um, touches a nerve among a lot of Canucks fans because mm -hmm. I maybe it's anecdotal, I don't know, but it feels to me like most Canucks fans actually would be ready to dig into seven, eight-year complete scorched earth approach here. And it's clearly not what ownership wants. And where that's really the biggest one for me. Where are we at on the Bruce Boudreaux kind of respect factor here in terms of, like, I think interviews being done while you currently have a coach, you know, exploratory phone calls, I think that's probably standard procedure. But to flat out sit in front of the media and admit, yes, we're talking to other coaches while you already have a coach, like, there must have been some sort of conversation between Jim and, and Bruce where it's like, yeah, well, you do what you got to do, but you know, don't, you know, keep me on until you get a guy. And, and then like, because to sit there and say, yes, we're interviewing other people while he's still coaching. That to me is something that you you don't often hear. And, and especially for, to be public about it, Johnny. Public's the problem. Like, so, yeah. but see, like, so this is where I'm, I differ a little bit. Like I, I, I like Bruce. I've worked with Bruce. He's a yep. very good coach, but you know, he gets paid a lot of money. He understands he's in a job where he eventually will get fired and replaced. And, and and he probably the writing is very clearly on the wall that that's going to happen in Vancouver. So, you know, it's the public thing, like the fact that they're exploring what the the the, the vision and the and the future of their franchise looks like. I, I guess that's normal. Like I don't know if it's disrespectful. They talk about trading me all the time. Is it disrespectful for me when there are trade rumors out about a player? No, it's kind of part of the job. Now it doesn't happen so publicly for the coach, but I'm like. You know, right. he's getting paid well. He knows it's part of the gig. Um, it doesn't have to be public. And that's maybe another theme about all this. So much of this doesn't have to be public, and yet it is uh, or has become. And, and that's not healthy for the organization. Getting into the specifics of Bo Horvat's contracts, not numbers, but their, their perspective on it. You know, bringing up the medical issues of Tanner Pearson. It's all very public about stuff that, you know, no organizations run perfectly smooth all the time, but this seems like a lot of things happening out loud in front of everyone to evaluate Pierre. So I don't yeah. find it disrespectful. I know it's uncomfortable. It'd be no fun to be Bruce, his family, people that care about him, fans of his, because he's in an awkward spot. But when we're talking about Tyler Myers needs to get traded, but they can't trade him because his contract, like that doesn't feel yeah. great. Right. So I, I kind of equate yeah. it to that when it comes to the respect thing to me, Pierre. Yeah, and, and, you know, the bottom line is I, I don't think that Bruce Boudreaux would have been blindsided by this idea that, that, his time, that you know, his time is limited here because let's just go back to last offseason when even picking up his option was not an automatic thing. It, it was something that was, you know, that they grinded and went back and forth and finally did pick up the option, which was a mutual option, and he came back. I think from that moment on, Bruce Boudreaux understood that he was on borrowed time unless the Canucks really had, uh, you know, a, a surprising season. Because otherwise, if you truly believed in him, a lot of teams in that position would have actually extended him past this year and given him a new deal, but instead just picked up the single-year option. So from that context alone, this season always felt like, you know, there'll be a new coach either after this season or even before then, I think. 
Going to be interesting. Maybe next week we'll get through a pod without talking about the Vancouver Canucks. Something tells me maybe not. Uh, Great stuff, guys. Appreciate the conversation. Okay, we had a huge guest on the podcast this week. Uh, Pierre and I had an opportunity to chat with Eric Carlson yesterday. So time for Who's Got Your Back, brought to you by Liberty Smart Security, a company that specializes in having your back. High-quality, advanced smart security systems for your home or your business. Liberty Smart Security uses leading-edge technology To protect the things that you value most in your life, your home is your castle. Protect it with Liberty Smart Security. I have a Liberty Smart Security system in the house, and I absolutely love it. I've used it to protect my family for the last six or seven years. It's great technology. Very usable and user-friendly. Okay, our conversation with Eric Carlson was awesome, Pierre. He gave us the secret sauce to why his legs are working so good. Uh, A dietary hint. Uh, that he sort of tongue-in-cheek joked about, so people can listen for that. But MJ, you know, what stands out to you about Eric Carlson at 32 years old doing what he's doing this year? Not that he can, not that he is capable of playing this well, because we've seen him. Like he's been the best offensive defenseman of this generation, right? Uh, and, and I think what stands out is that somehow his body's let him do it again, mm-hmm. because just the volume and the length and the seriousness of the injuries that he's worked through. He didn't think he ever had the freedom of his body to play the way that he wants. And he looks like he's skating much closer to the way he skated you know, six years ago than the last couple of years. So to me, that's what stands out. And then, you know, to have the freedom within the system to go be who he is. Because he's, he's, he's quite unique and he's not perfect. But, you know, the stuff he does is so good with the puck uh, on a team in San Jose. And, you know, you look at it, it's not just the goals, assists, points that are through the roof. His underlying numbers are really strong this year. Shot shares, expected goals, date chance, like all those things which you might think, well, he's bleeding all those just to get all those points. It's not the way it's gone this year. He's really had a a crazy good year. Not surprising that it's him, but it's surprising that it's him now because I thought this ship, this version of him was no longer going to appear before us because of his injuries, Pierre. That to me is the most surprising part that his body's let him be great again. Yeah, no question. I mean, I certainly didn't see this coming. And, um, you know, and because of it, what was a theoretical discussion, I think for a lot of us a couple months ago, and MJ, you were part of it, and Ryan on this podcast, but the idea of a team actually picking up the phone and phoning Sharks GM Mike Greer about Eric Carlson, that was theoretical. Mm -hmm. And now it's actually happened. Mike Greer has come out last Friday, I think, in the local San Jose media and confirmed, uh, you know, something I reported earlier in the week as well, that teams have actually engaged. They've actually called the Sharks and said, okay, you know, let's try and get our mind around this here. And the mind mm-hmm. around it is that love the player, don't love the contract, right? Four more years at $11.5 million a year. I don't know if they can figure this out, whoever these teams are. Um, first of all, I don't think it's a long list of teams. My guess is it's two or three teams at most. But number two, no matter how much you think, think at a certain AV or Carlson would really improve your team and big time he would. I don't know how the math works because there's a line where the Sharks retaining too much of three of, of four and a half years of a contract doesn't make sense for them. Mm-hmm. But there's also a line where a team picking up four and a half years is just picking up too much AV and too much risk. He may get dealt, but I think if he does, it actually happens in June, in my opinion when there's a little more flexibility, not just flexibility in the cap, but a little more uh, of um, of an understanding by then between the PA and the league where the cap where is headed going. in the next few years, not just this right. year. 
So I could be wrong. I think it's going to be an off-season thing, if at all. But what Mike Greer has come out and said is that uh, teams are engaged, which is interesting. Yeah, but part of it is, like, if you want to maximize his value, like, I guess having him play this well going into the playoffs yeah. is, is, what, is what would make him attractive right now. Mm-hmm. As opposed right. to you wait to the summer, like you're missing perhaps the best version of Derek Carlson that is going to ever right. exist for the rest of his career. So yeah, it's tricky. Right. And like, if, and if you're going to eat half, like eating six, five, seven, five, if you're San Jose, you're probably going to have to take that. a bad contract back. No. And you're, like, you don't want to be yeah. net 11 because then might as well just keep Carlson around because he's going to no. be better right. than the contract being eaten and the guy you're going to bring in. So, you know, if you're eating two or three, maybe then it's a different conversation. But if you're eating half, unless there is a sweetest of sweeteners attached to this, where it's, you know, picks and prospects, then you're basically buying those. That's a different conversation. But I just think, like, you look around. The the biggest problem is the teams that would be maybe curious to go get Eric Carlson, to put him over the top, to to go over a deep run, they got no space. And they don't have players they really want to get rid of either. So even bringing on a $6 million guy, which probably, as we just said, doesn't make sense, might be hard for the new Shoggy. So I, like the, the field is very tight as about who could like legitimately yeah. consider this. And oh yeah, I think Eric Carlson has to want to go there for it to work as well. Which which we got into, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. The, you know, he's pitted in there, right? He's got the family, a couple kids. He looks like he's yeah. got a real nice place, uh, enjoying life. Uh, we dug into all that with Eric Carlson. We asked about the possibility of being traded. Would he be open to it? Would his family be open to it? How does he feel about the, the retool, rebuild that's happening with the San Jose Sharks? He answers all those questions and gives us a great Got Your Back story as well. So we thank Eric Carlson for joining us. Presented by Liberty Smart Security, here is San Jose Sharks defenseman Eric Carlson. 32 years of age, on pace for 106 points. That would eclipse your career best by 24. That's keep cha- that number um, keeps changing, eh? depending on what game you have. Yeah, for sure. It's going to come and go, but the chances of you getting to 100 for the first time are pretty good here, Eric. Did you did you see this coming before the season? I know you worked hard. You had a quote where I think you said it uh, you know, you felt like your legs, you had both your legs underneath you for the first time in a while here. So health-wise, it feels like it's come around for you, but did even you see this kind of offensive production as a possibility? No, I mean, I'm a pretty confident guy, but I don't think that, uh, you know, it's been going pretty well this year, obviously. Uh, if I could have predicted that, I don't know. Uh, I don't like to predict things. I know that uh, you guys do. Um, I just like <laughs> to uh, play it day by day. Uh, I've been feeling good for a long time now. Uh, probably haven't been able to utilize it or, uh, how do you call it, uh, deploy it as, as well as I had wanted to but uh internally i've been feeling really good for for quite some time and uh it's nice to see that uh you know it's starting to translate that the thing i mentioned about you feeling like you had your legs underneath you your game is so rooted in your ability to move and your skating uh, what what feels different for you as far as your legs go and, and what do you have to do to get yourself there from that standpoint i'm eating more hamburgers uh, <laughs> that's wait funny. you're on my diet yeah exactly <laughs> I went back to my old school diet and <laughs> back I was trying to there clean it up for a couple of years there. It didn't work. No, uh, I mean, it's hard to say, obviously, uh, you know, I've, I've gone through some kind of annoying injuries uh, throughout my careers uh, or a career um, that hasn't really helped. And then, um, you know, 
I feel like uh, it's it's finally starting to feel into place. And, uh, you know, I don't feel like I'm 32 years old. I'll tell you that much. I feel much younger than that. Um, so it's it's nice. And then I think, you know, I think I'm mentally, I'm, I'm in a good stage right now. It's been a tough couple of years for us. And, uh, you know, I just feel like... Uh, it's all uh, it's all just in harmony right now uh, for myself personally, and uh, you know I'm enjoying the game uh, the same way I did uh, for a very long time in this league. You know, and Eric, I look around the league. I know it's been a struggle for the Sharks as a team in terms of wins and losses, but I look around the league and I look at the type of games that we're seeing, Eric. I mean, it, it it's been years since we've seen scoring at this level in terms of goals per game and 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 the kind of comebacks that we're seeing in games and. We're going to have a bunch of 50 goal scores this year if, if, you know, everyone stays on schedule. Like, what are you seeing in the middle of it as far as night to night, game to game is the type of hockey that we're, that I assume you love playing? Yeah, I mean, um, the game has changed a lot. Let's, let's say it like that for the 14 years that I've been here. Um, whether it's mm-hmm. better or worse now, I don't really know. It's very different, though. Um, you know, I've been very fortunate to always kind of been a decent skater. Um, so I've been able to keep up with the young bucks, but I just think that the game is so fast now that, you know, it's, it's hard to, to not make mistakes out there. And, and every team does them, every, every player does them, whether you're, you know, me or someone else, like, and, and guys are just capitalizing on that because you can get places now that before you couldn't really, because you couldn't move the same way that everybody can now. So I just think that the game is so fast that every time there's something there there's someone there whereas before you always had time to recover and and there's no such time anymore on pace here for 26 goals and i wonder as as a goal scorer like you've had some good goal scoring years 20 and 21 a little bit earlier on in your career uh how do you think you've evolved as a as a goal scorer and what's working for you to push this kind of total so far i don't know if i'm a good goal scorer but uh i don't like uh (laughs) I like to pass the puck, as you know. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. shoot. I probably should shoot a little bit more. Everybody's been telling me that for for my entire career. Uh, there's just something in me that makes me not do it. Um, but yeah, like uh, like I said, like the, you know, it's hard to say. I think you have to. It's hard to score from the blue line these days. Uh, if the goalie sees the puck, like I don't have, you know, a Weber shot or or guys that could really shoot the puck back in the day. Um, you have to get down there and you have to get, you know, in and around the net to uh, to be able to score these days. And uh, I've been getting down there a little bit more lately. I know. So I, I cover Connor McDavid here in Edmonton, and I remember his earlier years and the narrative was he needed to shoot more. And he would answer questions about that. And it was always like he was like chewing on a piece of something rotten every time he had to answer that question about shooting more. I wonder for skilled players if it's, if it's kind of a piss off when people say that to you, you know, you should really shoot more, Eric. Like, yeah. Does that bother you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does and it doesn't because I know I should. I just don't do it. Right. It's not just, you know, I think it's one of those things that you either have or you don't. Like for me, it's always been every time I get in a situation, I always try and find someone that's in a little bit of a better situation than I am. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that means that you're going to miss some opportunities that, um, you know, some guys would have shot it. Uh, it's just one of those things. I think it depends on what type of player you are and how you grew up and, uh, you know, uh, how you're kind of wired out there. And, and I'm wired to uh, to pass first somehow. Eric, we're just over uh, six weeks away from the trade deadline. Um, and um, Fun times, huh? You know, your GM. <laughs> yeah, yeah, time flies. Uh, yeah, I wonder where I'm going with this. 
And, uh, you know, your GM, Mike Greer, has been super transparent, uh, you know, when he's asked about this. He said he would, obviously, you're such a special player. Teams are probably going to call. I think last week he told the media in San Jose, teams have called. I know that he has had a lot of chats with you, I think, about just keeping up to date on, on whatever. And um, I wonder, first of all, how you feel about what the future may hold for you that way. You're in charge. <laughs> I mean, you got a full no move clause, so that's got to be a good feeling in terms of knowing you have a say in this. But what, where's your frame of mind on that right now? No, I mean, it's a tough one. Uh, like I said, uh, I don't like to plan too far ahead. Um, you know, I know that it's it's a possibility in my future that, you know, things might change or they might not. Um, I don't know. So I don't mm -hmm. like to live in the unknown and I don't like to think about it too much. Um, so I'm going to do what I can, It's which is, you know, take care of myself and, and play as good as I possibly can to uh, to help this team out, uh, to help San Jose out, to to try and get us back to where we want to be. And and if, if that changes at some point, uh, throughout this uh, journey, then, then it will, and, and we'll deal with it, uh, you know, in an appropriate way. But I think uh, Gracie has done a great job in, in everything that he's said and, and everything that he's mm -hmm. done and how he's acted through all this. And, uh, you know, I think he should, he should, uh, he should explore all his options and his possibilities, you know, and do what he believes is best for this organization. Cause at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And, and uh, if I take care of myself and if everybody else takes care of themselves, we'll, we're all going to be fine at the end somehow anyways. You know, we had Claude Drew on a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, and he was pretty forthright in how it was hard on him last year because it was the first time he had been traded. And he said, like, you know, he just played terrible his last game as a flyer because he kept thinking about getting dealt. And, and I thought it was a – it was interesting because you would think that he knew that was coming, but still when it came, it was, it was hard for him to live through. I wonder for you, Eric, because you have lived it. I mean, that last year in Ottawa before getting traded, but was, was a bit of a gong show because you're on a Canadian team and there's updates every day. And what's TSN saying next? Sorry about that. And, yeah. and you know, you, you, you have to live that. I wonder if now in San Jose, a different market, but also an experienced player who's been through it. Do you think you'll be able to sort of handle this in a different way? Yeah, I hope so. I think, you know, uh, right now, like I have a family, you know, I have two kids uh, and a wife and, you know, a beautiful home here and, and you know, we're kind of rooted here. So I think that mm. will probably be the biggest challenge, if anything. Um, you know, I think hockey wise, uh, I think I'm, like I said, I'm in a good state of mind where I'm just focusing on the things that I can control. Uh, you know, I think when I got dealt from Ottawa was, was a little bit different because uh, I thought I would never leave there. Um, I didn't think mm -hmm. that that was in the cards for me. And, and uh, you know, it wasn't something I preferred. But um, so, yeah, I do think that I will handle this a little bit differently. I don't think that it's something that I'm walking around thinking about too much. Uh, I think that once, uh, you know, we go a little bit deeper here and, and if things starts to, to really materialize, and, and start setting in, maybe it will change. But as of right now, I'm just, you know, I'm happy here. Uh, my family likes it here. Um, and, you know, I'm feeling good. Um, so I'm going to take care of that. And, you know, whatever they decide to do uh, about me, uh, it's it's their decision. And once, once they present me with that, then I'll take a stance. Last one for me on this, and then we can move on. Uh, I know players are competitive and they want to win. And, and you've been close. 
but you talk about the family as well. And I know as you get older, that becomes so incredibly important too. So how do you, how do you balance that as a competitor that maybe if you move, you have a chance to win perhaps sooner than you would in San Jose uh, versus the family side of it? Where is that, that competitive desire to win? How do you factor that into this whole thing? No, I think yeah. I, I'm always going to advocate that. That's always been who I am and I want to win. And that's always going to be my objective. Uh, I think my family knows and understands that and they support me in whatever decision I want to take professionally. Professionally, uh, It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy to uh, to make a move right now with everything. But if, if it comes down to it, I don't think there will be any issues doing it. And I don't think my family will have any problem adjusting or uh, I wouldn't get the same support from my wife because uh, I know she wants the same thing for me. And uh, uh, I will never, never sway from that. I want to win, uh, you know, and I think as you get older and you've been around for a longer time, you realize that, uh, you know, uh, it's not as easy as it looks and, and you got to hit it right at the right time. And, and uh, obviously, if, if it does happen, that I hope that I do. Yeah, I mean, and that's, Eric, I'm sure you've talked to other guys around the league. Like, that's the thing that's hard sometimes is guys that have been chasing it. Like, I want to go to this team because it looks like they got a chance. And then it's hard to predict sometimes. We're yeah. you know, on some teams that have been rebuilding are still rebuilding. And it takes, like, it's it's yeah. hard to, to really know, right? For sure. I mean, that's what's difficult. Yeah, you 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 never, you, you can never really tell, I don't think. I think, uh, you know, maybe last year uh, was the first year in a while where everybody saw Colorado as the, you know, number one favorite to win and they did uh, even Tampa yeah, you know it true. took them a while before they they got to where they are now and I remember playing mm -hmm. Tampa back in the day when when Stammer and and Hedy was there and they weren't very good and then all of a sudden you know now they're a powerhouse and they have been for a while and probably a little bit longer but you know all the spots are full so you know uh, there's there's not a lot of wiggle room out there either I mean uh, mm -hmm. so yeah, cap. it's, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's a little bit of a Russian roulette in a sense. I think that as long as you, uh, are somewhere where you believe in what they're doing and, uh, you know, you're fully invested, I think that's, that's all you can ask for is to have a legitimate chance and, and hope that it works out. Uh, so we'll see what happens for me. How do you feel about the trajectory of where you are right now. You know, I know the Sharks is an organization. There's there's a lot going on and some rebuilding and retooling and some work to be done here, a construction project. If you do end up remaining a member of the Sharks, what's your outlook? How do you feel about the timeline that, that you might be on as a group to, to be competitive again? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that, um, you know, no one really knows what the timeline is going to be. Uh, I think... Mm. Um, you know, Grierson getting hired as late as he did and, and the coaching staff, I think they, um, you know, they've been observing a little bit more than, than, you know, they normally would have if they were a little bit more established in the organization. So we'll see. We'll see where we're at. But I like the way it's going. I know that much. I know that, uh, you know, the hires that they've made and the people that they put in charge are doing a, a great job in, in moving in the right direction. Uh, I've liked everything, uh, you know, that they've said and that they've, done uh, and I know that the future here is going to be really bright um, I just hope that you know it's it's within my timeline and and if it's not that's you know a different discussion and uh, that's where we haven't really gotten yet I don't think and uh, uh, it's also a tricky part because like you said you never know right it could uh, it could work out really fast or it, it could be a little bit of a longer thing and sometimes that's a gamble you have to take whether uh, you know 
which way you believe. I saw a quote from you the other day. You talked about maybe thinking you had some left in the tank, even at the end of this contract. Are you, uh, are you going to be the, the defensive version of Yarmir Yager? You could just get a, uh, how long can you play if you can keep <laughs> skating the way you are? Yeah, exactly. if I can do that, I think I, I can play for a very long time, uh, you know, but I want to play as long as I can. Obviously, I think everybody does at the end of the day. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see how long that is. I still uh, I still got some some ways to go before I have to make those decisions. Uh, <laughs> but right now I'm feeling good. And like I said, someone told me it was my 14th year uh, at the beginning of this year. And, and it doesn't feel like it. Uh, it definitely doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. And it doesn't feel like it's anywhere near near the end either. Great. Well, and uh, I know Ryan wants to wrap things up here with, with the got your back, but uh, very quickly, Eric, when I think of you and the way you play the game and the way that that translates for Sweden on the international stage, uh, were you upset that the World Cup of Hockey got cancelled uh, or are you just really the Olympics is what you're really focused on that's coming in 26? But, you know, Sweden's always a powerhouse and uh, I'm wondering how much you've missed not being able to play at that level for a while. No, I think that's that's one of the things that's been very unfortunate. I think for everybody that's been in these last what is it now eight years maybe, where you haven't mm-hmm. really been able to uh, to represent your country. Um, you know, I was very fortunate to be able to play the last Olympics in in Russia in 2014, and it was some of the best times I've had. Uh, you know, the most enjoyable things I've done in my career. I think, uh, especially mm-hmm. coming from you know a smaller country in Europe where that's kind of what we grew up watching, uh, you know, was the national team and all the Swedish players. So mm-hmm. that's obviously one of the things that's been a little bit hurtful. I think the last 10, eight years or so where, where we haven't been able to, to do that. Um, you know, uh, hopefully world cup can get back on track and you can make that a, a successful tournament, not only for, you know, a one-off here and there, uh, where you can incorporate it, uh, with the Olympics and, and hopefully uh, Olympics is something that everybody gets a chance to go to uh, from here on out because I think that uh, if you really want to grow the game then you have to go to those things even though it's painful for the regular season uh, and everything like that but uh, uh, you know I think it's 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 a privilege and it's an honor and I think that guys that even guys that don't get to go are, are happy for the guys that do hmm. and uh, you know it's a once in a lifetime thing Great stuff. Uh, listen, Eric, the name of the podcast is Got Your Back. We love hearing stories from people about that time in their life where where somebody came through for them. So when I po- uh, put that to Eric Carlson, what pops into your mind? Who had your back? Uh, there's been lots of people over the course of the years, I think. Uh, you know, I was a scrawny little Swede uh, that did not, you know, have much knowledge about life or, or this sport, I think. Uh so I would have to say when I first came over here uh, and got the chance to play in my first training camp and in the NHL was, was uh, you know, the late Brian Murray, who was the GM at the time in mm-hmm. in Ottawa. Um, for those who knew him, he uh, extremely old school guy that could be really hard on you and, and told you as it was. But he was an honest man. And I find that, you know, he was the one, I believe, or what I've been told that, was really advocating for me uh, early in my career when I probably didn't fit the, the bill for, for the NHL uh, at that time. Uh, 
and you know he uh he gave me the confidence to be who i am and uh he uh it always felt like he was was on my side even though when uh you know i probably weren't uh doing my best or or playing up to uh the potential that uh you know other people wanted me to uh i think uh i would have to thank him for for having my back uh in my early years and even in my late years in ottawa and uh i think that would be the guy that that pops into my mind if we we're talking hockey hockey wise yeah brian you know, murray's sorely missed boy he was one of the greats uh amazing yeah, guy to talk hockey he, uh, with. You know? <clears throat> he was once you got to know him and and you understood him he uh he was a great man. He could be really tough on you, but uh, it always came uh, from the right place, and he always uh, wanted you to do well. Well, he, you're not the first one to bring him up in this Got Your Back uh, segment that right. we do. So there have been multiple stories about him, which is a reminder just to all the people that he touched through the course of his fantastic career. Eric, thank you so much for taking time. Good luck the rest of the way, and uh, maybe we'll have you back sometime soon. Always a pleasure, guys. I like talking to you. So... Have a good rest of the day, too. Go grab yourself Ta- some hamburger. Ta- Hi, and Ryan, what you, what you should have said, Ryan, is Taksamuke. Oh, yeah. Taksamuke. All right. <laughs> That's going to wrap up the podcast, folks. A huge thanks to Eric Carlson for joining us. A big thanks to Pierre Lebrun and Mike Johnson as well. And, uh, of course, a big thanks to our sponsors, Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, Pro Hockey Life, and Liberty Smart Security as well. We appreciate your involvement here and got your back. Thank you for your downloads and your subscriptions. If you get us a chance, if you get a chance, go leave us a comment over on iTunes. We'd love to hear what you think of the podcast so far. Have yourselves a great Wednesday. Look forward to chatting again real soon. Cheers, folks. We want to tell you about a truly Canadian company. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. But what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of their company. I've been to the offices. I've seen how they proudly display that on the wall at each branch. Every one of the staff members lives by the get-or-done formula to ensure they'll never let their customers down. They'll bend over backwards to get their clientele what they need when they need it, they don't make excuses. Cross Country Canada takes great pride in this attitude and they truly believe that the success of their customer is their success. You can't get much more Canadian than that.